Hello, and welcome to Bookstore Explorer, the show where we go behind the shelves with booksellers to find out what makes independent bookshops such magical places. I'm author Matt Browning, and my guest today is Dr. Lady Val Smith, owner of The Snell on the Wall in Huntsville, Alabama. It is, get this, a bookstore without a store. It is a totally online, independent bookshop. And you may be wondering, how does an online bookshop still manage to offer that personal touch that brick-and-mortar indies are known for? Well, to be honest, I was curious too, which is why I was very excited to have a lady on the show. I asked her that very question, and I think you'll like our answer. So come along as we go bookstore exploring. Lady, welcome to Bookstore Explorer. It's it's very exciting for me to have you here. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be here today. The funny thing is that I always start every episode with the the bookseller sort of walking us through their physical space, but with a strictly online shop, we can't really do that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't have a, a space to walk you through, but I have a lot of um a lot of elements to my bookstore. When did you when did you open the shop? So uh, I started it in November of 2017. So it's about to hit five years in business, which wow. is a big milestone. Um, and I did start with a pop-up store at a local holiday market. So mm-hmm. I had a booth there. Um, and so it did start as a pop-up store. And then I added the website, but I do not call it an online store. I call it a bookstore without a store because it's so much more than just a website. Which I love. That's kind of what drew me to you. I'm like, I want to hear more about this this story. So when you were doing the pop-up, were you um, what, selling used books or something? What were you selling at the pop-up? No, it's always been new. It's hmm. always been new books. And it kind of started with, um, I was a member of my local library foundation board. And as I was rolling off, you know, they were doing some author events and they said, we do not have a bookstore to come and sell the books at any of our events. Um, the local Barnes and Noble has stopped doing that for us and they've stopped promoting. And we know you're thinking about a bookstore because, you know, like so many other people, I had toyed with the idea they said, do it, just try it. And uh, I did not know anything about book selling. So it made sense to start small. So I started mm-hmm. small. Why were you, why were you interested? What were you doing before? Well, I've always worked with words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, was an academic for a while teaching English on the college level. Then I transitioned into magazine and book editing And um, then I started a blog a few years ago. So I was blogging about books and that's where the snail on the wall title came in. I I called it the snail on the wall. And um, then eventually I thought, okay, well, I'm blogging about books. What if I also sold the books that I want to put in readers' hands or I want readers to find out about? let's, Let's talk about the snail on the wall before we move along your timeline of the of the shop where does that where does that phrase come from so it is a little bit of an obscure reference to a virginia wolf short story called the mark on the wall virginia wolf's one of my favorite authors you know i told you i was a recovering academic (laughs) (laughs) and um the in that story there is um 
the main character is a woman who's sitting in her chair at her house and she sees a mark on the wall and she's not sure what it is. And she thinks, could it be a, a hole from a nail where a picture was? Could it be um, a leaf? Could it be, you know, all these different things. And she's also thinking it's that, that stream of consciousness style. So she's thinking about time and the war and relationships. And at the end, her husband walks in and says, there's a snail on our wall. So it was the snail that made her think about all these things. So you did the first pop-up and I assume it went well, right? What what happened after that? So it did go well. Um, I, you know, the holiday season was the right time to start it because people are in the buying mode. And so um, they did buy books for me that year and I leveraged every uh, community connection I had. Like I, you know, told my friends, started the Instagram account, started the Facebook account and started promoting. Um, and it did just take off that first season. And then after that, I had to kind of take stock and see what the next step was. Um, but I joined um, the American Booksellers Association. So immediately I joined them to learn about how other bookstores were operating and mm-hmm. went to their Winter Institute. And that's where I kind of learned all the other things I should be doing in addition to just, you know, putting a few books um out, um, you know, in the, on social media. Did you entertain the notion of having a brick and mortar store as you were developing your idea? Yes. I mean, that was when I had been toying with the idea. I was always thinking, you know, our downtown is in the middle of revitalizing right now. I mean, Huntsville is a really interesting city. We are growing really fast. We've been on a lot of lists of, you know, best place to live because we're, we have that small community feel, but we're also getting bigger and we've got uh, actual rocket scientists, a lot of them because of NASA and the space industry. And we've got a lot of research development. So Huntsville needed a bookstore. We did Mm -hmm. not have an independent bookstore for a while. Some of the old ones closed back in the eighties and nineties when that was happening across the country. So I had been looking to see if there were spaces, um, but then, you know, I just decided I didn't know a lot about it. So starting as a pop-up was a great way to learn and not have such a big risk, Mm -hmm. especially if I didn't know exactly what part of town I wanted to be in. And I still, (laughs) I still don't know. I still think about a brick and mortar and I still don't know where is just the right place. It has to be perfect. I guess with a pop-up, you could be in any part of town, right? Yes. And I can do a lot of, I can be out there in the community. I can show up at a company. Last week, I was at a company's um, event where they had brought in an author and I was able to pop up there and have books. And so it does allow a lot of flexibility. Well, yeah, when I was doing some research, you know, the website is is the main thrust of things, but, you know, you have a very active presence in the community, physical presence. Um, in addition to the pop-ups, I mean, how are you visible with the store? Well, that was really um, the first step was when I started by partnering with our local library foundation, I, I just realized that 
I could leverage a lot of partnerships. And so almost every author event I've done has been a partnership, whether it's with the Junior League of Huntsville or a company or in doing a pop-up inside another local business so that we're cross-promoting, cross-pollinating. Um, and then as that started to happen, people started to reach out to me and say, we're thinking about doing this literacy project. Could you help us um, get access to books? Could you help provide the books for that? And so it's just gradually um, through word of mouth as things mm -hmm. tend to happen. Um, I have always wanted to be a community bookstore. That was that was the goal. It was about, you know, just like it is for most other bookstores, it's about much more than selling books. It's about contributing to the community conversation about books. When you when you made the decision to to primarily be, you know, a bookshop without a storefront, uh, what was it like to to learn about building out the website and, you know, the the e-commerce side of it all? Was that was that a very steep learning curve for you? Well, yes, I will say I I've learned pretty much everything I know from other booksellers. I mean, the network is fantastic. And so I went to uh, my first Winter Institute right after that holiday season and realized all the things I didn't know. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a lot. Um, and so it just happened gradually. But, you know, I my website is part of ABA's indie commerce system. So I signed on with them and... Um, you know, I learn about how to do website design, but I also hire help when I need it. And, uh, but it is, it is e-commerce is, is a whole other aspect of it. You have to be able to do, and as we saw during the pandemic, you have to be able to do that in addition to popping up and, and selling books, you know, from person to person. So, well, speaking of the pandemic, I'm, I imagine that, you know, having, having your business model allowed you to to keep going when a lot of shops couldn't probably that's exactly right I actually I joke that um the snail was virtual before virtual school <laughs> <laughs> you know we were called a virtual bookstore or a store without a store and then the pandemic happened and all of these you know very long standing brick and mortars had to learn how to promote books without being in person, how mm -hmm. to deliver books. They added delivery services, which we did from day one. I was out in the community driving driving my car and putting books on people's doorsteps. So that was already what we were doing. And, you know, for, for that first year or two, people looked at me really funny within the book selling industry. You know, I don't think, I don't think my model was very welcome to people that, you know, had longstanding brick and mortar stores, but there were other people doing these non-traditional models too. And I think we gained a little bit of respect and <laughs> during the pandemic when people realized, oh, okay, we all need to learn innovative ways of doing business. Can you describe, I know I said at the beginning that we couldn't walk through a virtual space, but I mean, you're, you have a pretty robust website. Can you can you describe a little bit of the layout and the flow of your site and what and what visitors can find there? Yes, I mean, I try to um, even the, the the homepage looks like little shelves when I had it designed by someone. We tried to give it that feel of sections. So we've got the new and notable section. We've got um, book club. 
picks for people. We have um, signed copies. I try to do a lot of signed copies, whether I get those from publishers or when authors pass through town and I have books signed, people love the signed copies Um, and our events pages. And then one section that I've recently added is called the reader circle reviews, which, um, you know, other stores have their staff picks. Mm -hmm. And so last year I started a volunteer reader circle with mostly local people who come pick up my advanced reader copies that I get from publishers and they read and review them. And then we post their reviews on the site. So I have about 20, yeah, it's pretty cool. And they, um, it's created this great community among ourselves. There are about 20 of them and they love it. They love, um, you know, getting advanced access to things and they love contributing to the conversation. So that's one of our, one of our main pages too, is the reader circle recommendations. Do you all meet physically somewhere in town or like with book clubs? Do they meet physically under sort of the name of the shop, but not in the bookshop, so to speak? So we are, we have not yet because this started just after the pandemic and Mm -hmm. people were still not really getting together. We are having our first ever, first ever meet and greet of just the reader circle um, Uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's cool. They're actually, yeah, they're actually just coming to my house because we haven't met each other in person. And so, Mm -hmm. well, that was going to ask, do these people already know each other from living around town or are there a lot of them, you know, strangers, so to speak? Well, what was interesting is that um, they don't, for the most part, know each other. And it was kind of an application process where they filled Mm -hmm. out um, a Google form application that I put out. And what's interesting is that many of them were kind of inspired by that to to start their own bookstagrams. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, several of them are legit bookstagrammers because um, they've kind of started reviewing and built their confidence that way. And so it's really it's it's been energizing for them and for our store just kind of in an in an unexpected way. Now do you do you read and review books too? Are you one of the the team members? Oh yes. Oh yes. Because but I can never, you know, the problem is when people know that um when I do have, for instance, a, a pop-up store and people arrive and say, now have you read all of these? <laughs> As if I could read <laughs> you know, the hundred books that I have on display. Um, and so I have to be honest and say no, but I, it helps to say, okay, I've got, I've got a team member that says this one is fabulous and you have to give it a try. Well, it's funny. Um, and our, our listeners can't see behind you, but you're in what I assume is your home library. So the whole wall of bookshelves behind you. And I have a similar shelf in my house. And I always get that question when friends come over, have you read all of these? And I'm like, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Book buying know. and book reading are two very different hobbies. <laughs> and and listen, reading and owning a bookstore are two very different activities. I think people assume we sit around and read and actually have less time to read now that I have well, a bookstore. You, I hear that a lot from booksellers. And I think you're yeah. right, especially in the brick and mortar. People probably think you just sit behind the counter and read until somebody comes in and you're in a cell. <laughs> I do. I'm telling you, bookstore owners are some of the hardest working people I have ever seen. We, you know, we're kind of in a network of a Facebook group where we share ideas and it is amazing. They are some innovative people working 24 seven on all kinds of different projects. We were talking a minute ago about, you know, the pandemic and, and brick and mortars realizing that they sort of 
needed to have the skill set to do what you do. Did you suddenly find yourself being, you know, a contact or a point person for people looking to learn more about online? Uh, yes. I mean, within my, um, within my regional industry group, there were some of us that were sharing ideas about delivery and contactless shopping. Um, mm-hmm. so yes, I do think, I think that, um, you know, just kind of built on itself and we have a Facebook group now called non-traditional models and it's the booksellers that are doing bookmobiles or pop-up stores or, you know, all different kinds of things that are not brick and mortars. And that's happening more and more. Um, And, you know, there are places that we kind of refer to them as book deserts across the country, small, Mm -hmm. smaller communities that probably couldn't support a brick and mortar. But it's so great to have any kind of, book selling business operating in that community and being part of, uh, you know, encouraging literacy and getting books into people's hands and all of that. So if you, if you look at the numbers, bookstores, indie bookstores have been on the rise. Um, I know in my state in West Virginia, during the pandemic and after we have opened, I think about six new indie shops. Um, why do you think that that they're on sort of this upward trajectory? Well, I do think the pandemic made us all take stock of what was important. And I do think people realized the need to shop local. Um, That was a year that while a lot of brick and mortars struggled or saw their, um, you know, their revenue go down, mine, mine increased, I think, because of that, that initiative to shop local and put your money back into your community and, and the aspect of delivery. Um, But I do just think that um, I think that people want to be part of a community of readers and you do that through your local place. Um, Mm -hmm. You do that by going to the author events or the book club events or that kind of thing. You just can't get that online. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. You know, every time I talk to independent booksellers and and customers of independent bookshops, you know, they always talk about the personal touch that you get from an indie versus, you know, a chain store or um, Amazon. So how do you, how do you, still honor that and still offer that to your customers being primarily an online store? Well, I try to, um, well, I'll start with just the branding. The snail has become a little bit of a mascot. Um, The snail, you know, I use it a lot. The snail says to read this, the the snail um, thanks you for your business. And so it's, it is, I am not 
I am sort of the face of the bookstore, but I like to, you know, put the snail out there in front because it really is about, um, you know, kind of a local branding, but also just, I get so many um, requests for uh, personal recommendations. So um, even during the holidays with my gift cards, I've got gift certificates on my website, but you can add concierge service to that. If you give a gift certificate to someone, you can pay a little extra and we'll actually talk to them and talk to the recipient about what kind of books we would recommend for them. And then we'll send them personal recommendations. Oh, that's such Um, a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, And I know some brick and mortars do that and and you come in and shop that way, but we just kind of do it more virtually. So Mm. we'll talk to them on the phone. Um, Our subscription, we have a snail mailbox subscription that goes out quarterly and those are all handpicked. Every subscription box is different for they fill out, um, the customer fills out a a form of what they like and we will send them books that fit their preferences. Do you keep an inventory, a physical inventory, you know, at your house or wherever? Yes, that you can pull and it from? is. At my house or wherever is, is the right word. I've got <laughs> book boxes and closets. If you were to open any closet in my house, you would see stacks of boxes for the next event. Um, but also have shelves in the library you were talking about. I've got several shelves devoted to, you know, the new books that I'm just so that I can go when somebody calls and says, I'm looking for some beach reading. I'm about to go on a trip next week. I just go literally look at my shelves and I might take a picture of several of the books and say, what do you think of these? These are some great reads I have in stock. And so they'll pick this, this, and this, and then I'll deliver it to their doorstep. And that's the way we do business. I mean, that, that, that's how you offer the, the traditional, you know, person to person touch that an indie shop has in in your virtual arena. Right. Really and it cool. happens. It happens with um, messages on Instagram or Facebook, too, or texts. You know, I mean, we are constantly going back and forth that way, too. So do you find that most of your business is in the Huntsville area or, you know, how what's the furthest away person that you've shipped something to? Do you know? Well, this week I shipped a package to New Zealand. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a copy of uh, Naomi Novik's golden enclaves with a special bonus that that has really been game changing in the last few years publishers are i think trying to support indie bookstores by giving us access to some signed copies or some bonuses that go along with books so that you know you don't just get the book you get a little bit of an experience with it and so i've i've definitely had people reach out to me from australia from canada uh so it's been surprising in the last few years. It's it's definitely expanded. Have you asked to them, you know, how did you find me? Well, and a lot of them, sometimes I do, but sometimes they find you through, for instance, that was a situation where the publisher posted all the participating bookstores. Okay. And so they could go click on whatever bookstore they wanted to try. So it's, it's a big support to indies when publishers do that. Um, and then sometimes they find me through Instagram. You know, mm-hmm. they follow, I've got followers from all over the country. That's my favorite platform. Um, and I've got followers from everywhere. So I imagine that um, it's very helpful to find somebody like you if, if your goal is to shop indie, but you might not have, 
one nearby or for whatever reason, buying online is your easiest route. You don't have to go to the big juggernaut that that we don't want to buy books from. <laughs> That's right. They can feel good about it. They feel good about it. They get that uh, snail package, just like somebody local would get it on their doorstep. They get it in the mail and you do, you feel like you were part of um, just a better shopping experience. Just, yes. Do you have, and I'll be interested to see how you approach th- this question because I always ask it, you know, if, if I ask the booksellers, um, if I come in and I just want a recommendation, but I don't have much to give you to go on of what I'm looking for, um, do, you, do you get those kind of questions from people? And if so, you know, what are your favorites to recommend to people? Well, I would say we do a lot of Southern writers, a lot of Southern. I mean, that's where we are. We're in the in in Alabama. So we do have we try to support local authors and regional authors. Um, and that's a lot of our events are are kind of regional authors. But the books that I probably recommend the most are the kind of surprising books, the books that might surprise you. If I told you what it was about, you might say, that doesn't sound like something I would like, but mm-hmm. it ends up being something you you love. So for instance, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, who's a writer based in Franklin, Tennessee, or actually teaches at Swanee. Um, that is a book about children that spontaneously combust <laughs> and a nanny that <laughs> and a nanny that comes on board to take care of them. And on the surface, you would say, why would I read a book like that? And it will blow your socks off. It's so good. And it will, it's, it's just so well-written and has so many things to think about. So I love recommending things like that. The Memoirs of Stockholm Spin was a book last year that a lot of indie booksellers loved, but a very unusual book about a man who goes off and lives by himself in the icy uh, hinterlands and it's fantastic. <laughs> have you have you found you know authors and books that you maybe wouldn't have picked up during your time running the shop and that you've fallen in love with? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I would say Kevin Wilson is one of those. I would say, um, I mean, there are a lot. Uh, so one one author that I kind of discovered, and this happened just by serendipity at. Uh, a book conference. I think I was at Book Expo in New York a few years ago. Her name's Heather Weber. And she writes books set in Alabama, even though she's based in um, St. Louis. And she, the the publisher rep just happened to see that I was from Alabama and said, oh, I'm going to send you this book by this author because her next book is set in a fictional town in Alabama. And we ended up inviting her here and she came for an event and people love her books. And every year she comes out with a new one and we, we partner with her to offer signed copies of them. So we call her our kind of adopted Alabama author. So she doesn't have ties to the state? No, she basically passed through uh, Alabama one time and just said, I just feel this kindred I feel like a connection to it. She and must so be able to write it authentically. She to, to be embraced. Can. She can. We say it all the time. We say, are you sure you didn't, you know, spend a few years in the little town of Mimtone, which is this little artist enclave close to us in North Alabama? And she she has not. In fact, she's never uh, been there, but she can. She can write it authentically. Yes. 
it's funny when I first started the podcast, I've asked this question all along, but um, I had people contacting me say, can you start doing show notes and listing the authors in the books that the sellers are sharing because they people want to find them and yes. so why? <laughs> yes, yes, that would be a, a good service, yes. So do you have anything coming up, anything new or exciting um, or any ideas that you're hoping to sort of implement in the you know, months or weeks ahead or years ahead? Yes, good question. Um, well, it's about to be the holiday season. And for the third year in a row, we're going to have a month long pop up set up at a local business downtown Huntsville. Um, we've done that for the past two years. And so it gives all of our customers a chance to come shop in a physical location. And we're inside another business. It's actually a men's clothing store, which seems unusual, but they have this great loft space. And so we'll set up our bookstore there for the whole month of December. Um, and then next year, you know, I hope to just get back into more regular author events. Now that mm -hmm. people are gathering again, that was really part of the mission and starting the snail is that Huntsville, when it didn't have an independent bookstore, was missing out on author tours. Mm -hmm. We're close to Nashville. We're close to Birmingham. And authors were going to both of those cities and just bypassing Huntsville. So we're hoping to, to get that going again, because that's something we want to give our community is the chance to connect with authors and hear their stories. You know, when I've done my own author events, because did you mention that there is a chain store nearby? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We um, have a Barnes & Noble one. Yes. I, I have done better at Indies than, no offense to chain stores. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have yes. their purpose, but for meeting people and for getting turnout, the Indies yes. have always been the best for me. I don't know if it's Listen, like that for everybody, but. I I think it probably is. And part of that is just that when we sign on for an event, I mean, we, we intend to invest the time and effort into promoting it. And, and I really don't, I don't host, you know, weekly events like a brick and mortar store would. So when I, when I choose to do an event, I really try to get behind it. And it's something I really, really work hard at. What does your pop-up look like when you, when you set it up? So I have tables and shelves that uh, I move into the space. I have long tables with uh, tablecloths. And then I've got um, some folding shelves that set up easily and some tables that I can stack. Uh, that Facebook group I talked about, non-traditional models, a lot of times what we're doing is sharing our setups because as a, as a pop-up, you have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, but I've got bookcases. My I've got teenage sons, and they they have to <laughs> they have to take the bookcases into the store, and it's it's a lot of physical labor doing a pop up. Um, I'll bet. I mean, when you think pop up, you might think a person at a table, but you can't bring a whole bookshop and put it on one table. So yeah, I guess you I have know. to be you have to be probably pretty elaborate. Yes, and you want to have something for everyone and mm -hmm. so we take the take the picture book the bins of picture books and um books for all ages and you know books are heavy products so I'm kind of imagining a, um like the old school book fair from when you were a kid you know when you walk in and they've just got a little little bookstore sitting in the room it is 
that is exactly what it's like. That is exactly <laughs> what it's like. And you have to take signage. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, you have to come. I, I print a lot of my own signs and shelf talkers and um, because you have to have that all set up so that people can truly, truly shop. But what I get a lot of times from local people that walk in is is just this astonishment that it looks and feels like a real bookstore. And they cannot believe how many books I have packed into a very small space. Wow. Do you, do you, um, how do I want to say it? Do you kind of have a number, a quantity in mind on your typical pop-up of how many you take? No, I don't. Since I've got regular inventory, I'll always just take I hate to say everything, but I mean, I, I try to take everything because mm-hmm. it won't sell if it's sitting on my shelf at home. Right. Um, and so I will have stacks, you know, in the corner, just stacks that you can sift through. But then I do uh, more featured books for the season. And one thing that I started from the very beginning at that first pop up, I started doing book bundles. And I would have themed bundles. I'll so especially for the holidays, I'll have a history bundle and a historical fiction bundle, cozy bundle, thriller bundle. And people have they now know to come to shop for those. And and I send those all over the country. People, once they've gotten one, because I do, you know, ribbon around them and some branding and a cute little tag specially selected by the snail. And I try to make sure those are really, uh, really good books in those bundles that most people will like. You probably have regulars by this point, regular customers. I do. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, I have regulars. I definitely have regulars. Grateful for them. <laughs> so the question that I always like to to wrap up each episode with has to do with the notion that I hear over and over that bookstores are magical places. So every every guest that comes on, I pose that question to them is what, what does it mean to you to hear that bookstores are magical places? Well, I will de- I will not deny that that there is something magical about some of the physical bookstores that I've visited. I mean, I I know that you know there's there is a great feeling from being surrounded by books in a brick and mortar. But I really think and I've seen it happen that the magic happens when people gather around the idea of books or gather around stories and share stories and um, have their world kind of opened up, Um, whether that's at a a pop-up, having a conversation about a recent book you read, or whether it's at an author event or uh, a community gathering of some type, or when I go visit book clubs. So I really think the magic um, happens when the book lovers get together. Um, And I'll tell you about one of our, maybe one of our best events was with the authors, Lisa Wingate and Judy Christie. And they, um, we had about 300 people come when they were promoting their new book called Before and After, which was an extension of Lisa Wingate's historical fiction novel called Before We Were Yours, which is about the Tennessee Children's Home Society, where it was a real place where children were had been kidnapped and they were at this at this orphanage and then sold to people um, to wealthy families. And we have someone in our community who came out of that home 
a a woman who told us about her experience and encouraged us to to bring them to town. And so she appeared on stage with Lisa Wingate and Judy Christie. And Mm. people came to that event who had family members that had come out of that home. They brought photo albums. They brought bags of things. And I mean, there were there were stories shared and tears and it was so meaningful. Um, and that was magical. I mean, 300 people. I were, know. Were, were you expecting that many? <laughs> we thought, we really did think, and that was a partnership with the Huntsville Library Foundation. So I made sure to, to have a good partner. And we thought that if we could tell the people what it would be about, um, and and before we were yours, Lisa Wingate's novel was a huge bestseller. Mm-hmm. So we did know people knew her name, but I don't think people knew what they were coming to. And when they came, mm-hmm. it was so much more than what they, they thought they were going to get. The question about, you know, magical places is my favorite one I ask, because after all the episodes I've done, every answer is still unique, even if they're similar in vain. Everybody has their own spin on it, and it never gets tiresome for me or, and hopefully my listeners <laughs> hearing the responses. Right. Well, listen, so, I mean, the more books that get published, the more magic that will happen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with me today. Tell us the website um, address so that people can come and shop with you. It is snailonthewall.com. And you'll also find us on Instagram at snailbooks and on Facebook at snailonthewall. Great. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And thank you so much. It was great to be here. Love to talk books and bookstores. Bookstore Explorer is produced and hosted by me, Matt Browning. Our theme music is Come Right Back to You by Max Hickson. You can follow all my bookstore explorations at bookstoreexplorer.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Bookstore Explorer. And follow us on Twitter at Bookstore EXPLR. Thanks for listening.